You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. It's the show that you know what the show is by now. I don't have to keep telling you what the show is, but you call in. You got the voice number, mail, phone thing. 608-501-0718. You call that number, and what's gonna happen is you're gonna hear somebody's voice that sounds very similar to mine, telling you to leave a message, at which time you can, in fact, leave a message. Uh, let me know what you're thinking, what you want to talk about, what you want to hear me talk about, what you, uh, what you want to hear yourself say on the podcast, 608-501-0718. Let's get started with uh, Mr. Zachary, see what he's got to see. Hey, hey. so I just had a question. Uh, this is Zach, by the way. Uh, yeah, I just had a question about, like, differences in schemes and stuff among teams across the NFL. For instance, like, are is there a team, are there teams with a certain scheme that are winning a lot right now? Like, what schemes are working the best? Is there a history of schemes who make it to the playoffs more often or anything like that? So, yeah, thanks. Um. So... If you want real specific answers, I'm not the guy to give you that, but I can kind of give broad stroke answers. And, and generally speaking, and I've talked about it a little bit before, there's trends. And I think if you wanted to be super lazy, you would just point at the Rams and say, just do what they do. They're kind of on the cutting edge with everything. Even, even the way their front office works, um, like it or hate it, and I think most people hate it, although they just won the Super Bowl, is very different. It's very cutting edge. But um, offensively, obviously, that's how Matt LaFleur ultimately became a Green Bay Packer is we wanted to hire a guy that knows how to do what Sean McVay knows how to do. And let's hire the guy that worked there. Now you could say it's Kyle Shanahan if you want. But again, for shorthand, look at the Rams, Sean McVay, West Coast offense, but whatever the the adaptation is because technically Mike McCarthy runs a West Coast offense. Although when you look up the definition of a West Coast offense and look at what Mike McCarthy did, it's like, I have no idea how in the world that's a West Coast offense, but somehow apparently it was. But the point is that was the thing that was working. Now there's there's other things that work and that's kind of the, the point I'm going to get to is there isn't one thing that works, but there is sort of a new thing that ultimately is always emerging and teams are doing a good job of saying, I want to do what they're doing. And that is how uh, Joe Barry ended up coming here as well. He was a coach for the Rams. The Rams were sort of on that cutting edge. And so we wanted to do what the Rams did. And so we brought him in and said, do what the Rams do. Now you could say it's uh, Vic Fangio or whatever you want to say it is. But again, the Rams kind of encapsulate the, uh, 
the direction the NFL is heading on offense, on defense, probably special teams, I have no idea. And seemingly, front offices are kind of moving in, uh, in a more Rams direction, whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. But in terms of is there a thing that works, I, I don't think that there... It's kind of, a, kind of a yes and no thing. There are certain right ways to address problems. So, for example, when the offenses begin to evolve, it creates a problem. And the reason the offense has evolved is to fix a problem. There was a problem that existed. We didn't know how to beat it. This offense knows how to beat it. And now defenses are like, we don't know how to stop this offense. And so when, a, when the defense adapts, it's because it solved that problem. And now we want to be able to solve it. So we kind of move in that direction. But there's all different ways of doing things. And, and I think ultimately it comes down to having a scheme or an idea and being able to execute it, having the right personnel. And being, if you look at Bill Belichick, that is the perfect example. People that leave there and go somewhere else almost always fail. Not always, but almost always. They're running the exact same offense. They're running the exact same defense. And, and it's this Earhart-Perkins system, which I'm sure has evolved over the years. I don't, I don't know much about it. I just know it's a thing. And while everybody else is going West Coast and everybody else is going to this hybrid 3-4, whatever, whatever, they're just doing Earhart Perkins 4-3 defense. And again, scheme people are like, you're an idiot. That's not what they're doing. Generally speaking, they haven't had to switch away from that. They, they haven't had to say, we have to start doing what the Rams do. They don't. But the point is, they know how they play their style of football, and they do it very, very well. They're very disciplined, and it still works. And so again, all of these are slightly different, but just broad strokes. Here are the teams and the offensive schemes that are being run by the teams that had, let's say, good records. So 10 wins for the New England Patriots. They have an Earhart Perkins offense. The Buffalo Bills, 11-6, and six, run an Earhart Perkins offense. And basically, if you run Earhart Perkins, it's because you are from the, the Patriots tree somewhere along the line. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals, West Coast offense. That's, that is the Rams. Zach Taylor was the Rams quarterback coach under Sean McVay. So he took that system, went to Cincinnati, and was obviously very successful with it. Mike Vrabel and offensive coordinator Todd Downing, West Coast offense. Kansas City Chiefs, West Coast. The Rams, or the, excuse me, the Raiders, West Coast. Uh, Dallas is Air Coriel, which is another one that's still floating around out there under uh, Kellen Moore. Surprisingly, Mike McCarthy's team is running an Air Coriel offense. The Buccaneers run Air Coriel and have for quite a while. The Rams, obviously, are a West Coast team. Um, the Cardinals are one of the more unique teams. They run a spread offense, sort of a college five wide receiver, spread everybody out type offense. 49ers, obviously, with Shanahan, run a West Coast offense. And the Packers with, uh, Mc, or with our coach, Matt LaFleur, run a West Coast offense. So West Coast is sort of tip of the spear in terms of where things are heading. And there's, there's all kinds of different ways of, of doing that and whatnot. But it's not as though you have to adapt and go do something else or, or change away from what you're doing to do West Coast in order to win. You don't. But I think the reason teams tend to be moving that way is because based on what defenses like to do, it kind of puts defenses in a little bit of a bind. But I don't think Bill Belichick is, is having a hard time over with his Earhart Perkins. I don't think the Buffalo Bills are struggling with what they do. So I hope that was in some way helpful. And again, if, if you're generally just looking at, at where, where success is, it's just it's coming out of L.A. Just do what they do. We got uh, one of my favorite callers, Mr. Tom Austin. He's got, I got three of them queued up here, so let's see what Tom's got to say. All right, listen here, you little pipsqueak. Yeah, it's oh, the geez. macho madness, Thomas Austin. Yeah, 
You got me upset yesterday when you played both of my <laughs> voicemails. Yeah. Now I'm coming at you with two questions. Question number one. Yeah. What movie would you put Patrick Swayze's character from Roadhouse into? Yeah. The other question is which rookie no would you like to see rise to the top? Yeah, become cream of the crop. Dig it. Bye. Oh man. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Good good to talk to you, uh, brother. Did you throw a brother in there? I know you said yeah five hundred times. You gotta put a brother in there somewhere. Um Cream of the Crop rise to the top. That's a that's a macho man thing, right? Um What was the first question? What movie would I put Patrick Swayze Roadhouse into? Listen, you're you're gonna get me in trouble, Tom. Do you understand how much trouble you're gonna get me in right now? Clayton, man, I love you. If you are listening, go ahead and turn the podcast off or just hit the skip 30 seconds button if you wouldn't mind. That'd be great. Maybe just hit it twice just in case this takes me a while to get this out. I still haven't seen Roadhouse, dude. I haven't watched it yet, okay? I got to find it. I don't know where to find it, all right? And I don't want to pay for it. That's absurd. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what movie to put Patrick's way. Shouldn't I put him in Roadhouse? What is this question? (sighs) I got to listen to it again because I don't think I understand the question. It's hard when you're macho, man. Yeah, that's the question. So I have to take him out of Roadhouse and put him in a new movie. All right, I got to Google... Patrick Swayze's character in Roadhouse, learn a little bit about him and put him in a new movie for some reason. You know what I'm going to... Oh, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do. This is going to be great. But let me let me find out what he does in life. All right, so um, Patrick Swayze is a uh, cooler at a newly refurbished roadside bar who protects a small town in Missouri from a corrupt businessman. Oh, yeah, you got to watch out for those guys. James Dalton is a professional cooler. Does that have to do with gambling? Oh, a bouncer? All right, fair enough. With a mysterious past who is enticed from his job in New York City by Frank Tilgman. Who writes a movie and is like, I'm going to put the guy in here named Frank Tilgman. Like, what is his name? Tilgman. How do you spell that? T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. What? Why? What? Anyways, it's got to be somebody's name that he knows. And he's like, a buddy from high school or something. Because nobody just makes up Tilgman with a random H mixed in. This movie sounds ridiculous. Uh, He's enticed to come out, take over security at his own club. The Double Deuce. Oh, come on, man. You can't do this to me. The Double Deuce. I mean, I get it. Aces. But why? (sighs) In Jasper, Missouri, Tilgman plans to invest substantial money into the club to enhance its image. And he needs a first-rate cooler to maintain stability because, you know, Jasper, Missouri is a rough town. Handed control of all bar operations and hired hiring by Frank, Dalton fires multiple... So he's the boss? I thought he was just a bouncer. How's he running stuff? He fires multiple employees for theft and drug dealing. Dude, sell the bar. Open up a B&B or something. This is, sounds, sounds a little much. Dalton is introduced to a local business magnate, Brad Wesley, who effectively controls the town. Gotta watch out for those guys. His henchmen threaten... Who it? What? He has henchmen? Where is Jasper, Missouri? Apparently, it's just this hotbed. Why wouldn't you just do Chicago, where you have, like, actual billionaires? There's no rich people in Jasper, Missouri. There's 17 people that live there. Is that even a real town? 
literally on Wikipedia right now. Jasper is a city in Jasper County, Missouri, United States. The population within the city limits is 931. I nailed that. There's no business magnates in Jasper, Missouri. What are you talking about? How do you make money in a town with no people? Did you start Amazon in Jasper, Missouri? Out of your garage? Anyways, um, he's got henchmen too. So, you know, his henchmen threatened Tilgman. Tilgma? Oh, no, that's just a typo. Tilg- Tilgman. Uh, during the ensuing struggle, Dalton receives a knife wound. Ooh, boy. At the hospital, he begins a friendship with Dr. Elizabeth Clay, which develops into a romance. Nothing gets me jacked up for, for just a straight-up killer movie like True Love and Romance. Wesley summons Dalton to this home and reveals his true intentions. Who's Wesley again? I hate having to keep track of these. Uh, Brad was, oh, the business magnate with henchmen, got it. So the, the, the rich guy summons Dalton, who's this hardcore guy with a mysterious past that for some reason got hired out to Jasper, Missouri to be a bouncer that runs the club and fired all the drug dealers and then got stabbed by the Jeff Bezos of Jasper, Missouri. He summons Dalton to his home and reveals his true intentions. Wesley wants Dalton to work for him once he extorts the double deuce. Didn't he get stabbed by this? I mean, not by him, by his henchmen. He got stabbed, and now he's like, hey, how's your stab wound? By the way, I want to hire you. He's extorting the double? First of all, is the double deuce making money? Isn't this some thro- some small towny bar? And this is a multi-billionaire that's going to use all his resources to extort the double deuce? And what are you extorting? What does that even mean? You show up and you're like, empty the $14 in the cash register or I'm going to break your legs. What are you talking about? Dalton refuses, and Wesley increases his attack on the club, as well as beginning to sabotage other businesses that start disobeying him. What, you mean the church, the gas station, and the other bar? It's Jasper, Missouri. There are no businesses that start disobeying him. Okay. After Wesley's henchman, Jimmy Reno, sets Dalton's house on fire, he kills him in self-defense, shocking Elizabeth. That does sound shocking, Elizabeth. I'll grant you that says he kills him in self-defense. I'm assuming Jimmy Reno gets shot in self-defense, and, and Elizabeth is shocked. Like, I can't believe you killed a guy that was trying to kill us. That's crazy. That's what happens when you get involved with a bouncer that runs a bar that f- fires all the drug dealers and gets involved with the Jeff Bezos of Jasper, uh, Missouri. You should expect these things. After Wesley has Dalton's old mentor, Garrett, killed, his mentor? What, does he take him up into the mountains and blindfold him? Teach him to punch trees? So Wesley, who's really, really got a lot of money because he's wasting all his time just killing random people and extorting churches, decides that he's going to take this to the next level. He's going to launch a full investigation into this guy who refuses to work for him and help him extort the $14 out of the bar. He does a full investigation, finds out he had this sensei back in the old country. He's going to send his henchmen to kill that guy because he's just got a bunch of exposable henchmen that are just going around terrorizing everybody. Um, Kills Garrett which is such a great name for a mentor. You know what I mean? Like that one, the wise old man that's going to teach you how to, how, to, how to be wise, you know, impart his wisdom to you. When I think about like ancient wisdom, I think Garrett, maybe Tilgman. Dalton snaps and storms Wesley's estate, killing most of his henchmen. Why do we, do we have to call him henchmen? Do they call him henchmen in the, in the thing? Can we call him security or something? Henchman, so stupid. Killing most of his henchmen and ultimately incapacitating Wesley. As he tries to walk away, Wesley pulls a gun on him. Oh boy, are we getting into, uh, maybe I shouldn't, are we going to spoil the, the show? Wesley pulls a gun, sounds wise, probably could have done that a while ago. Before he can shoot, however, 
he is shot to death by the townspeople who deny any knowledge of what happened to the arriving police because they shot the Jeff Bezos terrorist. In the end, the town celebrates its renewed freedom at the Duffel Deuce. Yeah, let's go to the Deuce and uh, let's cut it up. All 40 of us with our shotguns. This sounds ridiculous, but um, so that guy, we're going to take that guy with the super tight pants that are up to his belly button for whatever reason. Dude, I'm looking at a picture of the cover of Roadhouse. The top picture looks like he's punching a tree right now. Is that, is that Garrett in the background saying punch harder? I don't know what, what accent Garrett has, but he can't just be a, an old white dude. That doesn't make sense. You don't take a guy out into the middle of the woods, tell him to take his shirt off, lube him all up in oil, and tell him to punch trees if he just got a normal, you know, normal talking voice. Yeah, go ahead and punch the trees a little bit, and uh, we'll go get some coffee. But seriously, look, at, look it up. I, I nailed it. And then the middle picture is the romance, which is super hardcore. And then there's a car blowing up because, you know, we're going to invest in, in uh, C4 to make sure that we can... Why don't you buy the double deuce, dude? You could spend less money buying the double deuce for like $1,400. Why are you paying a guy's full salary and benefits to be a henchman to go light a guy's house on fire and go kill Garrett when you could just buy the double deuce? And you know what? If they say no, who cares? It's not making any money. I thought you were rich. Why do you need the double deuce? Who cares? Here's an idea. Build your own bar. Put him out of business. So anyways, Patrick Swayze is a mysterious fella, tight pants up to his belly button, who runs security and, um, you know, shoots bad guys. So that's, that sounds great. What movie should we take him out of, you know, take him out of this and put him in what movie? I'll tell you exactly what movie I'd put him in. Reno 911 Miami. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's actually entertaining, unlike, um, I mean, Roadhouse is probably great. I haven't seen it yet. I, I can't tell you what to do. But it's a fantastic movie, very funny. But the point is, all the cops are essentially taken out. And the folks from Reno, who are out there for a convention, have to be the only police in all of Miami. So they need help. They need help. And on top of that, they're mostly incompetent people with guns. And so I figure Mr. Swayze or um, James Dalton super hardcore name also, would fit in quite well. And, and you know, he probably has better aim than, than a lot of these guys, and he's a no-nonsense fella. So he could, he could take care of Terry, his little flag day extravaganzas and whatnot. Plus, he and Clementine, I think, would get along just great. Jim Dangle would be all over him, but I'm sure Clementine would... Uh, well, who knows? You never know. Maybe Patrick Swayze's more of a Lieutenant Dangle type of guy. I don't know. It's hard to know these things. Did you have a second question, Tom? Which rookie would you like to see rise to the top? Yeah, cream of the crop. I, I, I'll tell you what. The, the obvious answer that everybody probably expects me to say that I expect me to say is Devontae White. I'm going to say Christian Watson, though. Because if there's one guy that can just be like, dang, this guy is like a top 10 at his position, Devontae White would be great. That would be super great. But I like our defense. If you're talking Christian Watson comes out and is one of those, one of the next crop of really good receivers, that's freaking huge. Because we've already got a good defense. And I think Devontae White will probably be fine. Kenny's good. Dean's good. Geron will figure it out. You got Quay. You got Campbell. You got Preston. You got Gary. You got Stokes and Savage. Blah, blah, blah. And the whole crew, it'll be fine. But if Christian Watson pops off, and he's, you know, year one, 1,000-yard-plus receiver, 8, 9, 10 touchdown, serious threat type of guy, if I had to pick one guy, that's my guy to just completely go off. For sure. 
the, the next two calls are from Tom, and I, I have not listened, and I, I, can't, I can't tell you how this is going to go, folks. So we'll, we're going to experience this together, and um, I think we'll be okay. We're going to make it. Here we go. Tom, hit me with it, man. Since you love the two calls so much yesterday, I'm also going to get another one in here real quick. Okay. Uh, as per league sources, uh, they say that Ryan Schlipp calls Packer fans just terrible fans. Okay. Now, there might be more context to this from yesterday's right. After Dark, but right. what are your comments uh-huh. on you saying that Packer fans are not that great? Uh... Bye. Bye. Um, well, Thomas, um, I kind of said that, but I, I didn't super say that. I would say uh, check your sources. Sounds like your sources is literally me, but here's the thing. I don't, I don't mind standing on it because it's one of those things where if I'm talking to you, I meant it and I said it and I stand on it. If I'm not talking to you, then just keep walking. You know what I mean? If, if you are going to cheer in the stands and everything else, fine. If you don't want to and you're upset about what I said, I'm sorry. And I wouldn't go so far as to say you're a bad fan. I'm not necessarily saying that. kind of sounds like that, and I think you should maybe contemplate what's best for the team. But I'm sure you love the team and all that good stuff. But at the same time, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things where even if it was a little heavy-handed and people are upset, even if I owe you an apology, I'm not going to because I want that sting to be there. It should be there. Something's got to prompt you to get off your butt and do the right thing. And if you don't want to, that's fine, but I want you to at least sit there and feel bad about it. Because I, all, what I ultimately want, and this is the biggest reason why I said the, I want the players and everybody involved in it, is because I want the shame to flip. Rather than the one person who's there that's willing to go against the grain and actually try to help support the team and cheer for the team and root for the team, rather than that guy getting shamed by everybody who's sitting down, I'd rather it be the other way around. I'm not saying you have to stand or people turn around and shame you. If you want to sit there quietly, I guess that's fine. But if you're going to shush, there should be a general consensus of the people there that, sorry, you're out of your mind. You're the weird one here. You're the one being rude. So... Yeah, you're probably not a bad fan. You go to all the games, it's probably safe to say you're a big fan. But if I say it and it makes you mad, I'm okay with that. So I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to just accept that that's what I said, even though it's not exactly what I said. All right, Tom, give me your third one, man. Or should we wait for the break? I've only got three left. We should maybe wait. Let's do a break. A um, little bit short on calls, and I don't know exactly how these next ones are going to go. They might be super fast. So 608-501-0718 is the phone number. Call in, leave a message. Um, If you don't, then this is going to be the Tom Austin show, which, to be completely honest, I might be fine with that because I like when Tom calls. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. He's working a double deuce. He's working a double deuce. That's what I heard. No, man, Clayton sounds great, dude. I I love it. I'm I seen a couple clips here. Looks great. The hair's great. Anyways, Tom, hit me with a man. I forgot one more thing. I know. Hey, where do uh, where can I uh, send some money to donate? So the next time that JJ uh, calls <laughs> in for a question, that you just listen to like the first couple of words and then you just hang up on him. Just say, hey, Tom has donated. Just like during the the draft live stream, we get enough. <laughs> All right, bye. We'll have we'll have to figure something out, man. Um, we'll we'll maybe we'll just run a tab next time he calls in. I'll I'll cut him off and um, then I'll hit you up for 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 a, for ninety nine cents or whatever. I dig it, Tom. Thank you for all the calls, man. Next up, hey Ryan, hey. The Jet Sweep guy here, calling in with a question about Matt Lafleur. Uh, do you think if he manages to take the Packers to another 13-win season, division title this year, um, without Devontae Adams, will he finally be in the conversation for Coach of the Year? And if not, what the hell will it take? Um, I'm I'm honestly leaning no. Maybe I'm just being kind of a pessimist about it in terms of my pessimism toward Matt LaFleur getting any credit. Just because, I mean... Devontae leaving makes a difference, but you know who the credit's going to go to. They're going to give it to Aaron Rodgers. They're going to say, yeah, but but he has Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's what they've been saying anyways. It's not, yeah, but he has Devontae. It's, yeah, but he has Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, this is all stupid. He absolutely should have been in the conversation for Coach of the Year at some point. You would think after three years, you know, I talk about all these other guys. It's like Rashawn Gary. While this was his first year being a stud, if he does it next year, he'll probably get a bunch of credit, especially if he gets the sacks. Then he'll definitely start getting a bunch of credit. Matt LaFleur did it one year. He didn't get any credit. It's like, okay, well, year one, I guess, maybe it could have been a fluke, although they literally had a losing record the year prior with Aaron Rodgers, but okay. Then he does it a second year, still no love. And so I think we've learned after three years, it's just never going to be enough. So, So there's really two ways that this works. 
One would be Aaron Rodgers leaves and the team just picks up right where they left off. And it would have to be... See, here, here's the complication. Let's just say Jordan Love goes off. Let's say Rodgers leaves, Jordan Love comes in, and regardless of how he actually performs, maybe he is, maybe he isn't super great, I don't know, whatever. Point is, though, we go to the playoffs and let's just say the same thing happens. We go out of the playoffs in one or two games. Is he going to get love then? I think he should because the 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 excuses are gone. So let's say this year we go 13 wins. He doesn't get any love. Next year we get 13 wins with Jordan Love. There is no excuse for him not getting love, especially if you're talking five years in a row. Even, you know, okay, so let's let's just say it's not 13, it's 12 or 11 or whatever. Here's my concern, though. I would be concerned, and I'm sure at some point some people are going to start giving him credit for what he's done, but I, I just think that they're going to play the same card. Whether that is, wow, Matt LaFleur got look, lucky, the Packers once again have another quarterback, can you believe it? Or this is a great Packers team, look at that defense, look at the offensive line, look at what Jordan Love was able to do and what the wide receivers are able to do. The, the hilarious thing about it is, though, you can't not give... Matt LaFleur credit and not give Brian Gutekunst credit. That's the thing. And this is sort of the reverse of the situation we were in before when the team was doing poorly. And I said, you either have to blame um, Ted Thompson or you have to blame Mike McCarthy. It's one or the other. Either Ted Thompson is not getting his talent, and it could be both, but he's either not getting his talent, in which case he's the problem, or if he is getting his talent, then Mike McCarthy needs to be fired for not being able to get the best out of these guys. But you cannot say they're both adequate and the team isn't working. That's impossible. It's the exact opposite here. And the media is not giving Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekunst credit, and they're playing the Aaron Rodgers card. Well, Brian Gutekunst is doing a bad job and Matt LaFleur is doing a bad job, but Aaron Rodgers is just dragging dead weight as always. So if you remove Aaron Rodgers from the equation, you have to at least give one of them credit. And perhaps, I, I, I fear it would be Brian Gutekunst. Because they'd look at it and they'd say, wow, Jordan Love was a hit after all. Congratulations. You've got all the... He's done a great job. He's built this team. That's the one way he gets credit. I think the other is a Super Bowl. And granted, that could easily... You know, if we win this year, it could easily be Aaron Rodgers gets the the majority of the credit. But I don't think you can overlook him. If, if he's got three years in a row of 13 wins... And whatever we get this year, 11, 12, 13, 14 wins, whatever. And he has a Super Bowl ring. I don't care if his quarterback, I don't care if the quarterback is James Dalton himself. You cannot overlook Matt LaFleur. You cannot do it if he's wearing that ring. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just looked up the tagline from this movie. <laughs> Dalton lives like a loner fights like a professional, and loves like there's no tomorrow. Come on, man. Is this like MacGruber? Is this, is this like a fake? This is like a, a comedy? MacGruber! It's got to be. So that's it. He's got to win a Super Bowl, and if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, they have to be successful without Aaron Rodgers. And the thing that sucks is that what's probably going to happen is we're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. Then Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. Then Jordan Love is going to come in. And the team is not going to perform well because Jordan Love is going to be not just 
a not Aaron Rodgers quarterback. I'm not talking about he's Kirk Cousins, but not quite Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about really bad. And what's going to happen is the team's going to be bad, and then we're going to hear from everybody. It's going to be the media. It's going to be from Bears, Lions, Vikings, every fan out there saying, see, I told you it was all Aaron Rodgers. I told you Matt LaFleur sucks. I told you this team is trash, if not for Aaron Rodgers, because they're just too ridiculous to acknowledge that any team in the world no offense to Jordan Love. I'm, I'm, this is just an example. Maybe Jordan's going to be great. But let's just pretend Jordan is, is hot garbage. Every single team in the entire NFL with a really bad quarterback, Jordan Love or otherwise, is going to be a really bad football team. Take your favorite team with your favorite coach. Take the Chiefs and Andy Reid and make Brett Hundley their quarterback. That team is going to be terrible. And it's not because Andy Reid is actually a terrible coach that's being dragged by Andy Reid and everybody, this whole roster is garbage and the whole organization is trash and it's all Pat Mahomes. That isn't the case. Maybe a better example, go put Brett Hundley or whatever your least favorite quarterback is on the Patriots instead of Mac Jones. When that team goes on to win four games, are we going to say that it was Mac Jones dragging that franchise? If Brett Hundley went to the 49ers, and they won four games, are we going to say it was Jimmy Garoppolo dragging that dead weight of a head coach? Nobody's going to say that. But they sure are going to say it about Matt LaFleur. And the the thing that sucks is that is probably the most likely scenario. We are probably not going to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. We might, but, I mean, it's been 10 years with Aaron Rodgers. We We haven't won a Super Bowl. We've got maybe one or two left. Maybe three, I don't know. And we are more than likely not going to have a really, really good quarterback the first year Aaron Rodgers leaves. And so we will probably have a losing record, and the narrative will be Matt LaFleur was always a bad coach. This was always a bad team. Aaron Rodgers was was basically screwed by having bad coaches and bad rosters to play with, and he dragged everybody around. And that's not going to be the case. People are just too stupid, and they've been wanting to jump on that narrative for a long time. And they think this proves it, but it won't. Let's move on to Johnny in Phoenix. Hey, JJ. Hey. Uh, glad to be listening to the show. Um, this is John from Phoenix by way of Madison, etc. So first question, coleslaw. Yeah. Creamy or vinegar-based? Uh, trash can. Important question. Yep, trash I can. I think uh, people want to know. Uh, secondly, and more importantly, uh, what I would like to see happen is a roundtable kind of a, a four-way discussion podcast between uh, you and Ryan and Bruce and Matt. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fantastic. It would be an amazing podcast. All right, JJ, make it happen. Go Pack Go. I'll keep listening. Thank you. JJ is the most popular host on this show, and he's he's never never been the host of this show. That's that's some power right there. That would be like if you stayed a night at a hotel, and for whatever reason, for the rest of eternity, people thought you owned the hotel. That's you made an impression. So, thank you, John. Um, yeah, coleslaw. I, I've never eaten it. I never will eat it. It's, it looks like garbage to me. Um, I don't really like vegetables and it's just chopped up vegetables and what mayo. And I don't really like mayo, although I do like tuna with mayo mixed in. It's delicious, but, um, that's just because I was fed that as a kid. And so I didn't know any better, but yeah, it's, it's uh, coleslaw. There's nothing about coleslaw that seems remotely appropriate to eat by anyone ever. It's a disaster. 
why do people eat stuff like that? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you could eat anything you want, and you're choosing to eat chopped vegetables in, like, mayo? That's nasty, dude. That's like, I'm, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a pot roast and then, like, green beans. Like, why in the world would you make green beans? That's so gross. You could, you could do French fries. Like, that's, you can get a frozen bag of French fries and make it. You can make flipping chicken wings if you wanted to as a side to your pot roast. Baked potatoes. Doritos. I don't care. Why would you choose green beans or broccoli? And, and it cracks me up when people are like, oh, have you tried broccoli with cheese? Have you tried throwing the broccoli in the garbage and sucking the cheese right out of the container? It's like, I love eating dirt. Have you ever eaten dirt? No, that sounds disgusting. Oh, uh, well, have you tried it drenched in chocolate syrup and whipped cream? Because it's delicious. Why don't you just leave out the dirt, dude? I don't understand. It's like chopped up vegetables and it's, I don't know, I don't know if it's mayo or what it, it sounds, apparently you can do a vinegar thing or something. I don't know, man. I know it's like real big to put coleslaw on, on pulled pork sandwiches. And I, I just, I look at that and I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? You're putting chopped vegetables on pulled, that pulled pork has been smoking all day. It is a gigantic hunk of delicious pork that has been potentially injected that has been marinated, that has been seasoned, that has been allowed to sit out and sweat in, that has been smoking and smoking and smoking. I have been spritzing it. I have been tending to it, checking it, checking temperatures, internal, ambient, adding fuel to the fire to make sure that you have a steady supply of smoke, adding wood chips, whatever it is we're, we're doing with this to smoke this thing wrapping it, putting it back out there, bringing it in, letting it rest for who knows how long, is it letting it rest for hours, pulling that thing apart, and you're going to cover it in coleslaw so that you can't eat. Don't even pretend you can taste it. You're going to slather that meat between two pieces of bun, cover it in barbecue sauce, and then throw this heavy vinegar-tasting vegetables on top. You cannot taste the pork. You have ruined the pork. I don't get it, man. Why do people do these things? I mean, if you're telling me you're on a diet and you're trying to be healthy and you're just shoving things into your stomach that don't have calories to take up space so that you don't eat that third piece of cake, fine. I get that. That's fair. But because you feel like it, shame on you. In terms of the round table, um, yeah, do need to get the video stuff going. I know the Packernet guys want to get a round table thing going. Um, I'm kind of focused on training camp. And so I want to get some videos going that are training camp based. I want to get a video uh, today out if I can doing a roster preview and then tomorrow doing a training camp recap. And I'm kind of focused on that on top of my two podcasts and everything else that I have going on. Um, so more or less, the guys are like, hey, we should do a roundtable. And I'm like, that's a good idea. And then, you know, it hasn't happened. And I'm assuming they're waiting on me to coordinate this thing. And that's probably just not going to happen. So <laughs> Plus, I, I, I just got to get back into the groove. I haven't done a video in a long time, so I got to get comfortable with it and kind of get back into it. And once I kind of get into that routine, I'll probably be a little bit more like, all right, guys, let's do this, that, or the other. But it's, it's also the fact of like, what are we going to do? If it was as simple as like, just show up and be there and be stupid, which we could do, that's fine. And if they really wanted this to happen, they would just message me and be like, we're doing it this day, jump on, and I would jump on, no problem. But it's, it's the having to figure out exactly how it works, when are we doing it, it's coordinating times with everybody. What are we talking about? What are the topics? 
I, I can't exert that much brain power to it. I, I just got a lot of other stuff going on. But I did see, uh, I forgot about it actually, Bruce had sent a message basically saying the same thing. He wanted to do a uh, roundtable. In fact, I got a message right now. Is that from Bruce? It is from Bruce. <laughs> That's creepy. It's not about uh, Packers, but anyways. But um, I know he had reached out about wanting to do some kind of a roundtable. So, Bruce, if you are listening, um, I'm sorry that I ignored your message. I absolutely did not mean to. Just forgot. But Seriously, just uh, coordinate with everybody else and just say, hey, we're doing it on this time. Can you be there? If I can, I will. If I can't, I won't. But I probably can. That's the best way to get anything out of me. Just just tell me what's going on. Hey, we're doing this. All right, cool. Don't wait for me, man. Ask my wife. Hey, I did do the dishwasher, by the way. I, I knocked that out. And she was gone. So then it's like a surprise, and I didn't even like say anything. I was all like smooth about it. Like pretending I, I forgot I even did it, although I'm sitting there like, when is she going to ask? And then she noticed the part was missing. She's like, did you do the dishwasher? I'm like, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> she opens it and like the drawer works and everything else. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. I guess I did, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'm just sitting here like trying to take care of the kids. And I made breakfast for the oldest. And like I was cooking and I was babysitting. I took care of the dog. And yeah, maybe I'll find a little time to do the dishwasher. No big deal. So scored a couple points on that one. Although, I don't, I don't know if you actually score points when they have to ask you like 17 times. But you kind of do, because they're, they're excited. They're going to make fun of you for... <laughs> she made a comment that she didn't want to call like the warranty people because they take too long. And then she, she said, but apparently not calling the warranty people takes even longer. So that was her dig. But it got done, and I like to believe I got a half a point out of it. Anyways, we did get one bonus caller, so uh, let's get to Mark in Michigan. Thank you, Mark, for uh, jumping in. I'm, I always get excited when new people are in because I feel like some people, once they call in, they're going to be like, I like that. I want to do it again. So we're going to get our regular callers, and every new caller is a potential regular. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed for Mark that he's going to be with us for a while here. But Mark, what you got, man? Hey, this is Mark from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was just wondering how the Packers are not a top 10 team in Madden and how the Bears are higher than them. That is just Another shocker to me, if you ask me. But uh, that's it. Peace. I'm sorry, did you... <laughs> Wait. Wait a minute. I was just wondering how the Packers are not a top 10 team in Madden and how the Bears are higher than them? Dude, I'm, I, 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 I gotta look that up. I don't know if I can even... Can I look that up? I think you're lying and you're just trying to get me whipped up. That's what I think. I think, I think Mark from Grand Rapids, Michigan is a dirty liar. That's what I think. How do I look this up? Um, this is player ratings. I want to see team ratings. All right. We got um, Madden 22, official team ratings, all 32 teams. What are you talking about? It says the Packers are number three, 89 overall. Are you talking about specifically like on defense maybe? They're 85 overall. That's Where are the Bears at? Chicago Bears are down here. They do have a higher defensive ranking. They have a higher defensive rank. They have an 87, the Chicago Bears. I don't, I don't exactly know if this is what you meant, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with this. 87, that, that might be, because I can't sort by this. T- I'm, I'm going to move this over to Google Sheets so I can actually sort this and stuff. So the Chicago Bears have the third highest rated defense in Madden 22. Wait, 22? Should it be 23? Don't they always go a year ahead? They did. All right, that was the wrong year. All right, let's try this again. Don't know why 22 was... Anyways, um, the Packers are fourth. 
overall, the Bears are, let's see, 78. They're near the bottom. 75 overall defense, 69 offense. Packers have, yeah, Packers are way ahead. So I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know what to do with this, man. I will say 22 was pretty silly. The fact that they actually thought that that was going to be a good defense, that's kind of hilarious. I'm assuming, again, we'll, we'll get into conspiracy theory territory here. Mark knows I don't play Madden. He's trying to get me whipped up and go on a tirade. And I respect that. The problem is if I look it up, I, I'm, I'm at a dead end here, Mark. I, I got nothing to go with because the Packers are a top 10 team and the Bears are not higher than them. So you almost, I, I almost had it. If I would have just stuck with the 2022 and they had a higher defense, that would have been, been a nice little tirade. But Mark, I, 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 I got nothing to run on here, brother. And since J.J. got upset about it last time, I'm going to assume J.J. put him up to this. It's his master plan. <laughs> J.J. went on a, he, he answered the question from yesterday. He went on an 11-minute answer on um, what it's like to work with me. And he started it off by clearly being very upset that I accused him of putting that caller up to, uh, to calling it. And then he admitted that that's exactly what happened, which... That's all I care about, JJ. I'm not mad at you. I'm not accusing you. I just want you to say, you know what? You nailed it. You solved the case. You are the Detective Supreme. You gotta take it personal, man. I just want you to tell me that I, I caught you. It's not a bad thing. It's like a game. It's a fun game. I figured out the puzzle. Put the pieces together. Just like Mark from Michigan. It's always Michigan guys, man. It's always the Michigan guys that are putting out the weird stuff. Is Mark your best man, JJ? Is that what's going on here? Hmm? <laughs> wife's brother? Both, perhaps? I don't know. I'm sure we'll get an answer on that. Actually, what I'm most excited about, aside from JJ saying, you know what, I am going to call in and trash you about how much you suck at running this uh, thing, is Clayton's call. And if he does not call, I'll be very disappointed because I went hard at Roadhouse. I really did. And I may have to go, oh, you know what? I forgot. Um, COVID Aaron Rodgers, vaccine, unvaccinated. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan podcast, unvaccinated. Sorry, folks, I'm just trying to get that, uh, trying to get flagged on Spotify. I think we've accomplished that. You folks have yourselves a good Dr. Fauci, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com